fucking man, y'all don't get it, do ya? Type of money, everybody acting like they knew ya. Go uptown, New York City, bitch. Some Spanish girls love me like I'm out with Twitter. Tell Uncle Luke, I'm out in Miami too. Clubbing hard, fucking women, ain't much to do. Wrist playing, got a condo up on Biscayne. Still getting brain from a thing, ain't shit changed. Welcome back to another episode of Champions of the West. Your, I think we're finally ready for the meat of the season to begin. We are rearing up to go. The three of us have a massive weekend in Ann Arbor, fresh off of my weekend in Madison, just two and a half hours from Chicago, which is where Sean is. So, Sean, how are we feeling about the weekend? I'm so pumped. I mean, this is this is the weekend to be back in Ann Arbor. I think it's actually going to be the most fun uh, most fun weekend in a long time because I'm predicting a, a Michigan victory. Um, so, haven't won a big game with Jim Harbaugh. In a very long time, I think we're one in five in um, in game days with him. So hopefully we can buck the trend. There you go, Nikki. How are we feeling about a four and a half hour wait for the Ricks line on Friday night? I can't wait. I love it. <laughs> the line is my favorite part. So well, I don't know about that. No, that was no I don't know about that. But, um, but no, I'm excited for a long weekend home. I also will be predicting a victory because again, this is a Michigan podcast. Yeah, homers. That's how that. That's, that's, how, that's how this works. Yeah. That's how this works. Uh, before we get into the Wisconsin game and a few other games this week, I do want to quickly hit on the Maryland game from last week. So, in a closer than scoreline indicated victory, Michigan beat Maryland forty-two twenty-one. It felt like it was Shea's most comfortable game so far. Um, he finished with two hundred eighty-two yards and three touchdowns and a pick. Um, with Chris Evans out, Karan Higdon kind of remains the back. He had 25 carries for 103 yards, which sounds great, but isn't really great. Um, Sean, I guess we'll start with you, whether it was offense, defense, special teams, whatever it might be. What stood out to you the most for Michigan's pretty comprehensive victory over Maryland? Exactly what you just said. It was a comprehensive victory. I think that all three units were humming at a, at a pretty nice clip. Uh, defense was was stifling, um, and you know was really never had never let Maryland move the ball. And um, I mean, this is a Maryland team that actually had pretty good success on the ground in kind of unleashing those big plays, and that just didn't happen with Michigan. And uh, the Maryland victory over Texas is going to continue to kind of. Um, pay dividends for them and everyone else Maryland plays because Texas is looking like a legit team. But uh, I mean, even when Maryland was up seven, three, I never thought that we were kind of in jeopardy of losing the game. So felt like it was a complete game. We're seeing improvement across the board, which we, which we can dive into in a little bit, but uh, you know, comprehensive. I think you hit the nail on the head there. Were you a little worried, Nick, about the slow start that Sean alluded to? I mean, the offense looked like it was fucking asleep the late night at Rick's the night before and didn't kind of get into second gear until about 1.30 or 2 o'clock after the rain delay. Yeah, I think both teams were pretty sluggish to start um, in terms of execution just because of maybe the hour delay kind of sitting in the locker room. Um, And yeah, I think Michigan dominated that first quarter yardage-wise. Yeah, definitely. But Got nothing out of it. Nothing. And then the one, obviously, freak kick return that mm-hmm. I don't – is that is that the first one under Harbaugh? It might be. It might be. I don't know. Um, Sean, you're, you're the weird stat guy. What do we think? I don't know. I mean, I know we gave up a punt return against Wisconsin last year, but I don't remember a kick return. Yeah. I'll try to dig in right. and we'll let you guys know. 
Yeah, so I don't know. It was it was a very comprehensive win. I think that's what everyone thought, and um, it's what we needed going into uh, a big kind of our first big week since week one. I'm with you guys too. I thought for the most part it was pretty comprehensive. The only part I was a little bit worried about um, was on the ground. Pagrom had most of his yards in the fourth quarter when the game was out of hand, um, but they did have a, almost 150 rushing yards, which is a bit concerning. In the air, however, Maryland combined for 73 yards total and as we'll get to Wisconsin's quarterback I don't think is very good at all um Michigan's strength is the run defense and the fact that the secondary and linebacking core only gave up 73 yards is something I think to completely hang your hat on um Sean I I guess I I just quickly want to ask you about the wide receiving core it's something that we've been sorely asking for as Michigan fans, for probably the last four, five, six years maybe. Um, and it kind of seems like even without Tariq Black, Michigan has a nice trio or quartet of wide receivers, including Ronnie Bell, who we really didn't see you know, being much of a factor, who's played really well. Which receiver has impressed you the most? I think I asked you this before, but I'm going to ask you now halfway through the season. Impressed me the most. Yeah, it kind of implies, obviously, that it's given my uh, expectations going into the season. And given that, I would say Ronnie yeah. Bell, right? Just because my uh, I didn't think he'd be much of a contributor. He's athletic. He's a really personal guy. I actually listened to his interview uh, this afternoon and um, charismatic, uh, you know, good head on his shoulders, as we know, was a basketball recruit up until he got an offer from Michigan, but kind of seems like the Harbaugh Michigan man. He does not care about stars, was quick to praise other players on the team. Uh, so he was the guy that has impressed me the most. I think the reason why we're having this conversation, Josh, is is purely because of Shea Patterson. Sure. Uh, he's been He's been the story on the offense. He's been able to connect with a variety of players and, and has really uh, started to make this offense hum again. What I'm looking at with the wide receiving core moving forward is how they can break out of their routes to give Shea a break, yeah. right? We saw Shea elude the pocket. Let's make it easier for him, for Shea to get those kind of quick nine yards on the sideline. So that's, that's kind of the, the synopsis on offense uh, with regard to the wide receivers. Yeah. And I think going off of that, <clears throat> I think the hardest thing right now is, He's playing so well, and he's making all these ridiculously hard passes, yeah. and he's putting them in these really tiny areas, and that's great. I mean, that is exactly what we want, but at the same time, our wide receivers aren't really giving him huge throwing lanes, and True. that's something that does need to improve because there is going to be a time when he doesn't have his A game, his A stuff, and he's got to be able to let his receivers go up and get a ball and throw it, and I feel like maybe Donovan Peoples-Jones is now kind of getting comfortable to the point where he can go get a ball and, you know, I think they talk about catch radius and things like that, but all these throws are so, you know, high level throws yeah, they are. and it's a little concerning because the receivers aren't making the, receivers the, aren't, making the yeah. aren't, aren't getting open or, you know, sure. as open as, you know, the teams of the past, I feel like where you could just trust this guy to, you know, on this hitch, he's going to have a four yard area to, and you can just whip it out at him. Yeah. So that's a really interesting segue into probably the most important game that Michigan has played now, maybe in two years, maybe in three years, um, because the Notre Dame game was a measuring stick. They essentially had 
a freshman quarterback in Patterson and that he had never had played a snap for Michigan. It's really hard to make much out of a guy that he's never had a snap and he's never had a real down in an offense. Halfway through the season, Michigan has everything still left on the table to play for, and now you're playing a defense that is very good by most accounts. However, this year has really been lackluster. Wisconsin gave up over 500 yards to Nebraska. They lost to a really mediocre BYU team. They were close against Western Kentucky. They were in a lot of games they had no business being in. They almost lost at Kinnick to Iowa, which as we know from two years ago, it is no walk in the park. But Nick, starting with you, what do we know about this Wisconsin team? What do you think both offensively and defensively they do really well? And what do you think the Michigan can exploit them? <clears throat> yeah, I think at the beginning of the year, um, if if I do declare, I, I said that they were definitely overhyped yeah. and, and overrated. Um, we'll, we'll check the tape, but so far yeah. so good. Um, so, I mean, obviously they have a dominant offensive line, and behind them they have one of the best running backs in the country. Yep. But they haven't shown the same explosiveness Agreed. and kind of uh, beat the brakes off another team just by simply pulling them into the fourth quarter as they have been, um, clearly. And I think that they are susceptible to lose ball games because that, with the combination of having a defense that can't stay on the field, um, you know, for long, long bouts, I think is making it a much different season than a lot of people in Madison. Definitely, John. I uh, I think that at the beginning of the season, you know, even though this is a Homer podcast, I actually did think that Michigan was going to lose this game. Uh, Nick, to your credit, uh, you you thought Wisconsin was overrated. I actually thought that they were underrated, given the fact that two of the five offensive te- uh, offensive linemen uh, on the AP poll came from Wisconsin. They are kind of synonymous with offensive linemen. You and all five of their starters were coming back behind what a lot of people were saying was the best running back in college football. So, yeah, I got I got to eat crow on that one. I mean, uh, we'll see what happens in this game. I think that Michigan season will certainly be dictated by this game, but honestly, I think the first quarter will be telling. Um, kind of for the, end of the last series. couple of weeks, really, really slow. Yeah, we, we were in, we were slow, and you know you can get away with that against kind of a Maryland. Um, and I guess evidently in Northwestern, which we can touch on a little bit at the end of the at the end of the pod, but you can't do that in your big games, especially against a team that is that is still incredibly good. Um, you know, I think that to to your point, Josh, the defense is really the reason why uh, they've been in those close games. Uh, you know, Wisconsin is actually number twelve in scoring defense, but not top forty in either rushing yards or passing yards given up. They're a bend not break offense. Um, and, and even further to that, their defensive passing efficiency is lo- in the lower half of the nation. And we're talking about two of their three uh, are, I mean, three cornerbacks are injured. Two of the three are uh, starting. So it, it, they're shaky on defense, um, but they have intangibles on offense uh, and also just in, in general that are going to be really tough to shake. I mean, what's your read given, given you seeing them last week in person? So here's the thing that I wanted to ask you guys about related to your point, do we know how good Wisconsin was last year? Besides for Michigan in the regular season, they did not play a single other team that finished the year ranked. Is it possible that maybe they just steamrolled a really, really bad schedule and we just don't know how good this team is? Um, Even this year, for example, 
you know, they're going to play Michigan and they're going to play Penn State, but the schedule is not quite world beaters. Like I mentioned, you know, I was good but not great. You know, it, it took them a while against Western Kentucky. Nebraska, as we've seen in person, is really not good, and they lit them up. Could this just be a, a Big Ten West effect where we just simply don't know how good Wisconsin is because we don't know how good the caliber of their opponents are? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think uh... – to make comparisons to Michigan, they beat the teams they're supposed to beat, mm-hmm. and they win the games they're supposed to win, and they don't really upset teams very much. As in the Ohio State game, when they yeah. to win the big one last exactly. year. Exactly, and I mean, they get close, and they can't pull it off, and yep. I think if you take a team like Michigan and put them in their schedule from last year, they win all those games. Probably. They a home game against Wisconsin if it was in reverse, and um, yeah. you know, I think this year the same type of thing, where... They have to win all these all these difficult games, and you go to Michigan and go to Penn State, and you're not going to be ranked. And I don't think they win either of those games. Um, so yeah, I, I really like that that kind of spin on it, where maybe they're just in a great position in terms of scheduling and having a team that's just good enough but can't get all the way there. Yeah, I mean, Sean, sorry for one sec. I'm just looking at the schedule, and Alex Hornibrook's high in passing yards last year was 256. That's not a quarterback that strikes fear into a Michigan defense that the three of us still think is really underrated and is one of the best units in the country, right? Yeah, absolutely. What's what's interesting in kind of validating the easy schedule um, sentiment is that Wisconsin is actually second in the nation as far as uh, road game victories, winning 10 straight so uh, thus far. Um, also, kind of building on top of that, they've won the last 17 17- regular season conference games. Wow. Uh, again, this is this is could be more of a testament to how shitty the Big Ten West is and how the equilibrium is just not yeah. there whatsoever. Um, you know, their last loss, I'll give you guys a quick trivia. Who is Wisconsin's last Big Ten regular season conference loss? Michigan. I would guess I would guess Michigan, Michigan at home 14-7 one of those Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That being said, on the other side of the yep. on the other side of the aisle, Hornybrook gets a lot of shit. That being said, another very quick trivia question: Who leads the country uh, as far as Power Five quarterbacks go uh, this year and last year in passing efficiency and completion Don't tell percentage? Me it's Hornibrook. It's Hornibrook. He is a better player on the road than he is well, he had at home. More interceptions um, and touchdowns in the Big Ten last year, despite them going undefeated. And he passed for 70%. Um, you know, that's probably more to say about kind of about Wisconsin's yeah. run game. But then at the end of the day, uh, this kid is a gamer. He is unfazed by uh, hostile environments. And not only that, but by he actually way, plays um, better. So your, uh, your Big Ten Wisconsin stat was wrong. They lost to both Ohio State and Penn State in 2016. Oh, when was their loss September to Penn 3rd. State? After? Oh. Oh, so it must nope. have been on the road. Oh no, that That's was the Big Ten Championship game, and then they lost to Ohio State at home. Okay. Yeah, Michigan was was Wisconsin's last road Big loss. Ten road loss. Yeah. So what? Okay. Right. That, it's a little. It's a little deceiving, but that's a the, that's the stat. Yeah, right. You're right. You're right. That's a weird stat, but hey, let's exactly. hype this game up, right? Let's drive viewers. <laughs> No, but but that's all to say. I think that they have benefited from a weak schedule. 
Hornibrook is a good player. Yeah. No, you're definitely right. Um, and to get to a Wisconsin expert, I had the good fortune of sitting down with my brother in his apartment in Madison, Wisconsin on Sunday, and he gave me some insight. He was a great interview, and we're going to jump to that right now. So we've got a very special interview today, live from Madison, Wisconsin, fresh off of Wisconsin's victory over Nebraska. We have a guest who knows a ton about Wisconsin football. You may have seen him on TV screaming and yelling. He also goes by the Celiac Chef. He is an avid sports fan, and he's a pretty good interview. So I I hope you guys enjoy this. Noah, thanks for joining me today, man. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah. So... Interesting start to the season. I do quickly want to touch on last season first. So as I'm sure you're well aware, Wisconsin went 12-0 and and was one drive away from making the college football playoff. I mean, let's, let's call it what it is. Um, the team was pretty good but didn't have the most difficult schedule. Michigan included was probably the most difficult game on the schedule. Um, would you say that that was a byproduct of – the schedule or Wisconsin actually being really good and playing great against Ohio State? Or do you think last year's Wisconsin team actually was really good? I think last year's team was definitely uh, one of the best teams in the Big Ten, uh, especially on defense. I mean, that that defense you watched every single week. Uh, I vividly remember watching the Minnesota game at home over Thanksgiving, and Minnesota couldn't get a first down the entire yeah. game. It was unbelievable. I mean, just like – Watching guys, uh, you see it now, you normally think of Wisconsin, you think of offensive linemen. Now you think of Wisconsin, you think of D-backs, you think of linemen, you sure. think of D-tackles. You're seeing guys produce in and out. And the fact that we weren't able to win that game, I think, ended up coming down to talent, ended up coming down to Ohio State. Having those five-star recruits just, you know, when, when they're down in the dirt, when you needed to make a play, they always were able to make a play. Uh, I think that game got a little bit overlooked looking back on it. That second half was pretty close. We actually stopped JT a lot, uh, and it really just came down to not being able to make plays on offense against that really talented Ohio State defense. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Uh, Definitely an unfortunate end to the season last year. But moving back to this season, a pretty manageable schedule, uh, a few difficult road tests, including at Iowa, at Michigan, at Penn State, but overall not a complete gauntlet of a schedule. I have to ask about the BYU game. I know it's a sore subject still in Madison, but kind of what happened? Is that just a a game that maybe Wisconsin overlooks, really focusing, knowing that that game at Kinnick was going to be at night and maybe the players just thought it was going to be a cakewalk and didn't show up? Or, or what? what's the excuse for not showing up in that game? Yeah, I think it has to be a combination of, of people overlooking a, a team in BYU that has slowly been building up their program over the years. I know they just got beat pretty badly at Washington, but they still have a, a very deep and talented uh, defense and a good running back in Squally Canada. Um, and it really just came down to, I don't think anyone looked into the game. I don't think anyone ever put that game on the schedule and thought twice about it. Yeah. So you show up and you and you go down big and you give up a big, big, a big couple plays. Well, and probably also given the fact that Wisconsin steamrolled BYU in Provo last year, that game was never close. And then you come into this year and you expect this defense that is – 
plug and play defensive coordinators year after year, and then plug and play defensive players all over the field year after year. You expect that quality to be there. Sure. And then when it doesn't deliver and you're playing freshmen and sophomores and you turn around and you're lose, you lose BYU at home, it's a, yeah. it's a big wake-up call. It's just a black eye in the schedule, too, because for – without – being too disrespectful, the Big Ten West is significantly easier to get through than the Big Ten East. And when you have a slip-up in a game like that, people really are not going to take you as seriously. Um, I do want to ask about two offensive players that I find to be polar opposites of each other. First, starting with the quarterback, Alex Hornibrook, who has been okay. He was he had more interceptions and touchdowns last year in Big Ten play. So that was kind of incredible that Wisconsin managed to win every game without that. Um, seems like there's no one to unseat him this year and probably next year that he'll finish out his career as a four-year starter. Um, and then you have a guy like Jonathan Taylor who steps in as a freshman and nearly rushes for 2,000 yards, has over 1,000 yards of rushing or almost over 1,000 yards of rushing already this year. So is Wisconsin modeling their offensive game plan after giving the ball to Taylor and a guy like Garrett Groshek and Tyshawn Deal for as many carries as they can? Or are you trying to build around what Hornibrook's skills are? Because I've seen plays that he can make, but it feels like the Wisconsin offense is run, 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 and then when you absolutely have to pass or a pass. Do you agree with that? I completely. I think when you look at the Wisconsin offense, you, you always have to remember that it's always a run-first offense and you're always going to rely on the strength of that offense, which is your offensive line, which in my opinion, although it's been underwhelming compared to preseason expectations, it still is a top five or top 10 group in the entire country. And well, gonna- so the, the joke that I heard an analyst say is you could give any offensive lineman the Outland Trophy and it wouldn't matter and they're all that good. Yep, every single one. Yeah. And and you have to rely on a guy like Jonathan Taylor if you're able to put up, you know, seven FBS record for a freshman rushing. Yeah. Like you're going to rely on that guy, and, and it's been a joy to watch Jonathan Taylor start to develop, and you see his game really get better every day. His patience gets better. Now he's starting to catch the ball a little bit more. And then when you talk in terms of Alex Hornibrook, I mean, his experience is unparalleled in the country. His record is unparalleled in the country. But his record's unparalleled in the country in spite of him. It feels like he's an outsider. Of course, and I think if anything that I've noticed about Wisconsin this year, which you rarely say is our problem, and especially – at BYU is, is we haven't relied on Alex Hornibrook enough. I Interesting. Think, I think that for the first time in a long time, this is the deepest the receiving core has been. Sure. And and those are guys who are going to go out and make plays regardless. It doesn't have to be a perfect throw, but you get you put playmakers in places with the balls in their hands and yeah. you expect them to do things for that offense. And, and once you have defenses putting seven, eight guys in the box and you're expecting Jonathan Taylor to carry the ball 30 times a game or you're expecting Garrett Groshek to get 10 extra carries and, and you're rushing for 400 yards, like – I mean, yeah, teams are going to expect that, and you need uh, a player like Alex Hornerbrook to beat those better defenses like a Penn State, like a Michigan, like an Ohio State. You can't be one-dimensional in the Big Ten and expect to win games. So I really expect us, if, if, if we do win those big Rome games and, and hopefully win a Big Ten championship, it's really going to come down to the play of Alex Hornerbrook. I kind of disagree. I think that you don't need a guy who's going to make these unbelievably massive throws on the road. If I'm Wisconsin next week, and and we'll talk about that in a little bit, I'm rushing the ball somewhere between 45 and 55 times again, because your ground game is, is what works. And Hornerbrook is susceptible to throwing interceptions at the wrong time. And I think running travels. I think the run game is something that is sustainable, whether you're playing 
against any team in the country. I think Wisconsin, you know, the joke was if Wisconsin made the playoff, they almost would have a decent shot at stacking against, stacking up against Alabama because they would just run the ball and have these six, seven, eight-minute drives and just bleed the clock to death. And I think that's a real strength. And having a guy like Hornibrook that, in my opinion, can't step in and make these big throws as often as he should is a big deterrent. The, the last thing I'll say on that is uh, it's hard for me to admit for the first time in a long time, the Wisconsin defense is not quite what it has been. That's what I was going to ask and you about, you can, too. You can no longer rely on your defense to to limit an opponent to, to 15 points, 20 points a game. And when you're allowing a, a freshman like Adrian Martinez to throw for 380 yards for you yeah. at home, yeah. and you're allowing a team that's 0-4 and just lost to Troy State in Nebraska to still put up 24 points on you, you're going to have to realize that you might have to put up 30, 40 points in a Big Ten game to win because that defense just really isn't what it used to be. So that's my question is Wisconsin just gave up 500 yards to Nebraska. They gave up 400 in the air and 111 on the ground. Very un-Wisconsin-like. As you've said, as we've said earlier on the podcast, Nebraska is awful. Nebraska is a hot garbage. So it's a weird concept that Wisconsin can't win these 14-10 games have you seen how is I mean how has Wisconsin's defense would you say overall been this year? You've been underwhelmed. I thought they played decently against Iowa. I thought that was the game where the defense needed to make a couple stops and did. Um, obviously, the, the the fullback misdirection was ultimately what got you through the finish line at Iowa. But overall, I'm with you. I've been kind of underwhelmed by the defense. I mean, you have guys like Connolly and Edwards that anchor it in the middle, but is this I mean. And the secondary, on top of that, with Nick Nelson being out for the first half of next week, is that a big deal? I, I mean, just, just kind of tell the people a little bit about the Wisconsin defense and how you're feeling about it right now. Sure. So uh, for many years, you you don't hear a lot about a lot of these guys. Uh, Someone who comes to mind right off the bat, when I was a freshman, there's uh, a safety who almost got no playing time in Leo Musso and ended up being an yeah. all-Big Ten selection by the end of the year and became a household name. So every year as a Wisconsin fan, you kind of expect these no-name guys to come in become starters and automatically produce. A la Jim Leonard, a la Jim who's, Leonard, who's the defensive coordinator. Who's been great. And for the first time in a long time, there's been no pass rush. Yep. There's a lot of lacking leadership. I think people were very set on the fact that we had a leader at every position. We have Sagapolo on the D-line. You have TJ Edwards in the middle, and then you have Dakota Dixon playing safety. Yeah. And you kind of expect them to lead. But then you also have to realize that that outside of those guys, it's, it's young people. So you, if you're relying on a freshman like Scott Nelson, as good as he is, you're, you're going to expect them to make mistakes. And if you're relying on someone that's that just doesn't have playing time, our corners are, are sophomores and freshmen, sure. I mean, you, you expect them when they're going against Big Ten competition to just not do as well. And I, yeah. I think that they did play well against Iowa, but it's it's really, for the first time in a long time, going to be a weakness of the Wisconsin team and something that scares me moving forward. Makes sense. Going back to Dixon, I've heard a lot that he is – the leader that people around, not just the football program, but the university in general, love him. Do you know, have you heard of other examples or stories that maybe haven't been as, as public to the media about Dixon kind of leading by example and being one of those guys that people just love being around? No, nothing specifically, but I just, I know that since he's gotten there, uh, his instant connection with Jim Leonard, I think the fact that they both played safety, I think they see eye to eye. Um, and just the fact that I know that he trusts him so much out there, he's, sure. he's really able to be the, the play caller is really he sees the defense from yeah. back there um and he's been a leader for so long he was a he was an all-american as a junior he's hopefully going to be he was preseason all-american as a senior um and, and just we've had to rely on his leadership for so long that you 
you really trust him back there and you know that he's going to be consistent every week. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. But let's get to the reason why you're here. The big game of the week. We have discussed this offline before that we think this is both Michigan's and Wisconsin's season. If you win, you keep playing for the right to have a chance to win the Big Ten and arguably have a right to make the college football playoff with Michigan just coming in at number 12 and Wisconsin coming in at number 15. If you lose, your season is over. I wouldn't know if I would call it a rivalry game, but it's kind of taken shape a little bit that these two teams really don't like each other. They play an extremely similar style of football. I know Michigan wishes that they were a little bit more air raid and and pass happy offense, but they're almost trying to do what Wisconsin is doing with the run game and then set up the passing. Um, What are you looking for on Saturday? And what do you think is ultimately going to be the difference as to who's going to win the game? Uh, I would say that I probably would have one key of the game going from both sides. I'd say for Michigan, the key has to be Shea Patterson. 100%. I think if you are able to look at that tape against Nebraska, you're going to realize that that secondary is porous and gives up a lot of big plays. And if there's been one problem with the Wisconsin defense over the last couple of years, regardless of how good it's been nationally in every aspect, it's that they have always given up big plays. And Patterson just had his best game of the seasons with three touchdowns and 280 yards against a not very good Maryland team, but still – it just goes to show you that Patterson is fun finding his rhythm and being more comfortable. And then in uh, on the Wisconsin side, yeah. I, think, I think it has to be Jonathan Taylor. Hundred percent. I think that as everything I heard from you and I've been watching Michigan, that Michigan defense came in with a lot of hype around them. They yeah. came in, they were expected to dominate from the beginning. For yeah. the most part, I would say outside of Notre Dame, they've done that pretty well. They've looked okay at times, sure. but but I know that that linebacking core is great. I think that yeah. you're hoping Rashawn Gary is back for next week. Yeah, it's a good point. Rashawn Gary sat out this week. I think in preparation, Michigan didn't think that they were going to need him. I think he'll be good to go and ready for Wisconsin. Well, that I mean, I think that combination of Gary and uh, Winovich and Winovich, yeah. and and Devin Bush is yeah, a Devin scary, Bush is, yeah. scary thought to do with absolutely, this. and especially in Ann Arbor, I think you're going to have to really control that type on the ground, and uh, I think. Also, spread that rush around. You need to give Groshek some carries. You need to give Taiwan Deal some carries. They've all looked good. And if you're able to run the ball 50 times and dominate that time. I think you have to. That's how you're going to win. I think you have to. And I think if Wisconsin's going to win, to piggyback your point, I think think it has to be a low-scoring effort. I think it has to be one of those games. It's 17-13 or 24-17 or something like that where – Wisconsin is just able to keep the ball for 40 or 42 minutes. And just like you said, control the line, control the time of possession. Um, as long as there are more points than there were the last time Wisconsin went to Ann Arbor. 14-7 was, was not a sexy game, to say the least. So this is the time where I'm going to make you make a prediction. Who do you like on Saturday and why? I think the difference in the game is ultimately Shea Patterson is not going to be able to step up. I think the Wisconsin defense makes their first big jump. They confuse Wow. Them. I think Jim Leonard finally realizes that he needs to dial up some pressure in the big house in a big game, in a must-win game that, as you said, is going to define the season. season. Yeah. I like uh, Wisconsin 23-13. Wow. Really only going for, for Michigan for 13 points at home. So I think everything you've said is true. We've also talked about the fact that neither team has particularly wowed either of us yet. Like, you, like we said, Wisconsin just gave up 500 points to Nebraska at home, and Nebraska's awful. Um, I think Michigan is going to win this game because they're at home. You get a three- or four-point advantage playing at home. I think Shea is going to have a really good game. I think the difference for Michigan 
like the running game on the Wisconsin side. I think it's going to be the running game on the Michigan side. They ran it 40 times against Maryland. I think Karan Higdon is finding his stride, and he's one of the most underrated backs in the country. He's been a workhorse for Michigan. He had 25 carries on Saturday. I think Michigan wins 24-17. I do want to ask, lastly, if Wisconsin is to win this game and, and or if Wisconsin loses this game, I guess what are the expectations for the final six games of the season for Wisconsin beyond that? I would say, uh, and I was talking about this last night with a couple of friends, every week I don't think it really matters how we win, if you win ugly, if you win big, but it's really taking one game at a time. I think Michigan's in the exact same boat. But you, as yeah. a one-loss team in the Big Ten, you know you're going to play a good team almost every week. Sure. And you really, as BYU showed you, you cannot overlook anyone. Yep. I would say that there are really two big games left on the schedule. It's going to be next week in Ann Arbor. Um, and then playing in College Park yeah. against Penn State is going to be tough. College in, in – uh, not college. College Park is Maryland. University Park. University Park. And then a game not to overlook uh, after seeing yesterday is, is the Badgers also traveled to Evanston. I think that's a way tougher environment that people give credit for. And, I mean – Fitzgerald has done an unbelievable job this year. They've got a huge win yesterday against Michigan State. Has he done an unbelievable job, though? They're only two and three. I don't but think they're very good. They've been competitive and almost they should they're have competitive. Been, they should have beaten Michigan. Should have beaten Michigan. Week. We agree. It's it's a game that is I could see Wisconsin winning their next two games. They play in Ann Arbor, they play against Illinois at home. Yep. And then I would say trap game in Evanston. In Evanston. That's, a that's that's a game that's been on my radar all year. And then you make it to the Big Ten championship and I don't know. We've had some of our, our struggles the last couple of years, and you can only hope for the best when you're playing a team like an Ohio State, like a Penn State, like a Michigan. You going to make a prediction? Season? Wisconsin makes it to the Big Ten Championship and loses to Ohio State, but they beat so, so So the sky is blue. So, what, so what's different? They beat Michigan. And, yeah. And they are able to force their way into a top ten ranking and find another Rose Bowl. Okay. That's fair. And I think – Wisconsin loses to Michigan. I think Wisconsin loses to Penn State. I don't know whether those those will be two Big Ten losses. I don't know whether those two Big Ten losses will be enough for them to make the Big Ten championship game. But, Lordy, do I hope they do? Because if not, whether it's Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, us Michigan fans are still hopeful. The Big Ten East will just run rampant over a Big Ten West team if it's not Wisconsin. At some point, you need to stop that East Run on the table. Yeah, well, you know, when, when you've got guys that uh, that just – I mean, when you've got Ohio State and Ohio State continues to uh, to do what they do, it's it's hard to unseat them. Noah, thank you so much for your time. We're going to – one last comment. Michigan beat Ohio State this year? No. I'm not not right now. I haven't seen enough. No, not, it, not in Columbus. I think – I think, and I've said this before, I think Michigan runs a table to get to Ohio State and is 10-1. And I think they play Ohio State competitively, but I don't think they win that game. But that is for weeks down the road, and we'll get there. Noah, thanks a lot. Thank and uh, be sure to check out the Michigan-Wisconsin game Saturday night. I don't know what channel it's on. I think it's ABC. I want to say ABC, but check check it out. It's going to be a, a doozy. If you like defense, if you like running, this is the game for you. Thank you so much to Noah for that interview. Um, clearly knows a lot about Wisconsin football, but as we also heard, clearly a bit of a homer. Uh, really likes the Badgers in Ann Arbor this weekend. The three of us are not so sure about that. Sean, starting with you, um, you know what do you like? What do you what are you looking for on Saturday, and, and who do you think wins and why? 
That's a big question right there. Before Nikki, you got to mute the FaceTime. Okay, so wait, wait. Should we just should we just start it again? Sure. Wait, Nick's FaceTime is muted. Oh, okay. Now it sounds good. Okay, and gonna go again. Thank you so much, Sonella, for that interview. Um, clearly, he knows his stuff about Wisconsin football, but clearly a bit of a homer. Uh, in Madison, they think they have a pretty good shot at, at pulling off uh, the upset this weekend. Sean, starting with you, what are you looking for, and, and who do you think is actually going to win on Saturday? Yeah, I'm going to be looking at kind of, I mean, football is a game of attrition, especially in the Big Ten and, you know, when you get in kind of the meat of the conference. So injury concerns on both sides. Uh, for Mich- for Michigan, it's definitely on the defensive lineman kind of aspect. Gary was in street clothes. Uh, 12-4 got carted off the field. Carlo Kemp came out limping. Solomon hasn't played a game of, uh, kind of a down yet. So certainly – kind of worried about there and we can dive into that a little bit more on Wisconsin side. It's the secondary. As I already mentioned, they are in the bottom half of the NCAA when it comes to kind of passing defense. Um, and they're already dinged up as it is. So not only are, are those corners hurt, but their red shirt freshman starting, um, starting safety out of Michigan actually leads their team in a uh, pass breakups will be, uh, suspended for the first half of this game because uh, he had a targeting penalty last week. Yeah. And the Dakota Dixon, kind of uh, what a lot of people would say is their best player on defense, period. I had an awkward injury. I don't know if you saw that live, Josh, but he came off the field wobbling. He was in a walking boot on Monday. Said no. to be playing, but um, this is definitely not what Wisconsin wants when it comes to uh, a Michigan offensive passing attack that's starting to click on all cylinders and a and a uh, secondary that's been lingering and lagging and kind of, in my opinion, the reason why they, they lost to BYU and the re- reason why they are not uh, kind of a top 10 team like they were projected to be. For sure. You want to give me a prediction? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, sure. I mean, I guess on the other side of the ball, I kind of talked about how Michigan could exploit their uh, Wisconsin's passing yep. defense. I think that the same can be said about uh, Wisconsin's uh, running attack in, in Michigan's defense, right? I mean, Gary, we expect to play. Carlo Kemp, I, I would say we're optimistic. Um, but Solomon and Dwarmfor, I'm guessing, aren't going to be uh, be seeing the field. So can we stop the nation's best rush, rushing attack? I mean, Jonathan Taylor leads the nation with 170 yards per game. Uh, I would say he is Ron Dane-esque, as he has both the thunder and the lightning. Um, you know, the thunder we can see as the yards after contact are, are elite. But allegedly, according to Wisconsin, obviously they are biased, has a faster 10-yard dash than Alvin Kamara and Saquon Barkley, uh, roughly 10% faster. So, I mean, he's the re- real deal. So those are the matchups I'm going to be looking for. Uh, given Hornibrook's uh, success uh, over the air and getting Danny Davis back uh, from from suspension, I think that, I mean, Wisconsin's going to have actually a pretty potent offense. I think that Michigan's going to end up winning the game 28 to 24 with Wisconsin scoring 21 points in the first half. Wow. Um, that, that is the, uh, that is a bold prediction. I know I deviated a little bit from my uh, script right here, but, um, more I was talking it up, the more it changed my opinion. For sure. Sean, the one thing I do want to say about the Wisconsin rushing attack that you missed is while Taylor is, uh, 1A, 2A, 3A, whatever you want to call it. They have a couple other really good backs in Taiwan dealing Garrick Roshek, 
that absolutely absolutely carry the load when Taylor comes off the field. So as Michigan has Evans and Higdon and and even True Wilson, um, and even a guy like Ben Mason, you know, Wisconsin has Taylor and Dylan Groshek and they have a fullback like Alec Ingold. So even when Josh, who was who was the guy who uh, who was the guy who um, ran over that linebacker from Nebraska at the end of the game? The linebacker was like celebrating because he thought he like had a big hit, and the line, and that running back just went right through I him. Was, I don't know if you I saw. think it was in gold. Yeah, I mean, or or no, it was Groshek. Yeah, they're. I mean, they're good. They're. Really good. I mean, he's huge. Yeah. That's pretty. Yeah, they're 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 tough. Yeah, um, you know, I think agreed uh, with the big matchup being the offensive line mm-hmm. and Jonathan Taylor versus our defensive line. Um, I was talking with a coworker actually about this and he thinks with kind of our, our nose tackles and tackles and things like that, that uh, he would love to see Rashawn Gary move inside oh, interesting. and go alongside Quiddy Pie and Hutchinson and things like that. Do we have an update and, on Doom Fort or Solomon for Saturday? Uh, I don't think that Doom Fort is, is hurt as people thought Okay, well, uh, initially. Um, and still no timetable on Solomon. Okay. My guess is he yeah. stays through the, the bye week and probably going for as well. Okay. Uh, so Solomon's mom tweeted today that he's practicing. Um, okay. so I don't think that means he's going to be playing. Snaps, you know, maybe he's on a snap count. Sure. But I would love to see Gary go inside and hit a couple bull rushes and kind of mix it up in there a little bit um, and, and allow some speed from some younger guys on the outside as he kind of shows his power because yeah. he has both. and. I think he kind of overcommits on the outside sometimes, and definitely I could see him in the future as an NFL or inside yeah. just as well as I could see him outside. So I would say with that, um, with if those changes come and our defense can, you know, you know, put up another strong second half performance after we kind of um, move ourselves into the game, I think Michigan actually pulls it out, and I'll have the the hot hottest take of the week. I think we're going to win an overtime game, oh. a nighttime overtime game against Wisconsin. I'd be like twenty-seven twenty. I'd be like hangover, like eleven forty-seven p.m. waiting for the end of that game. Oh, I can't. That would be amazing. I know. <laughs> and I have a seven twenty train to catch in the morning. Yeah, might, but we'll talk about that. You later. Might not make that. Um, quickly, my final score prediction is going to be twenty-four seventeen Michigan. I think it's going to be super low scoring. My one interesting fact I have is when Michigan and Wisconsin last played in Ann Arbor, Hornibrook finished the game with 88 total passing yards. So clearly the last time he played at Michigan Stadium, he was completely bothered by the Michigan defense. I think this year's defense is not as good as 2016's. However, I expect him to struggle. I think Wisconsin, Sean, like you said, may score on a special teams or defensive touchdown. And even if Taylor does get going – so long as Michigan is able to, you know, keep the Wisconsin six, seven, eight minutes drives either into punts or into field goals, I think that the defensive unit will do uh, exactly what they need to be doing. Yeah, I mean, Wisconsin's been really efficient in the red zone. Sixteen of their uh, twenty-one red zone appearances have resulted in touchdowns. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's also something we really want to keep an eye out for given given those seven, eight minute long drives where they just wear people out. I think it's uh I think it's it's kind of indicative of their kind of style of offense. Okay. So Nick, I, I do want to let you cook. I know that you wanted to talk a little bit about well, our weekend you, plans. Did you give a, a prediction? Twenty four seventeen Michigan. Oh, yeah okay. I did. All right, sorry. Come on, the people are listening. You, you started we're all kind of in this in a similar uh, so the line, right sorry, the line moved to eight and a 
half. half. It was seven. It moved down to six. It was seven and a half, moved to six and a half, back to eight and a half. So what we're saying is if you're a betting man, we're probably telling you to take Wisconsin with the points but Michigan to win. Yep. All of us. Yep. I'm not touching it. Uh, I think it could be I'm not touching yeah, it. I, I think it Wisconsin could completely be flat and just not be very good. Oh wow. Yeah. So so Josh, walk us through how your brother thinks that after giving up five hundred yards of offense to Nebraska that we're gonna be only scoring thirteen points. I know that you're not him, but I mean you got to back up your brother, justify a little bit of his claims. Like, what's he? What's he? What's the rationale? How does the that happen? Does the rationale, hurt? I think, is he doesn't think, and I agree with him in parts about this. He doesn't think that Michigan is that good. He thinks Wisconsin might not be that good, but he has no stock in Michigan. To be honest, to this point, you know, Wisconsin lost to a shitty BYU team, and Michigan beat who, who they were supposed to. We really don't know how good this Michigan team is. We know that this three-game stretch should hopefully give us an idea, but Michigan hasn't done anything yet to make themselves look like a top 10 or top 5 team. And he just thinks that Wisconsin's running game and, and Bay Patterson's lack of, of big-game experience at Michigan is ultimately going to be what kind of bogs them down. Got it. No, I mean, it makes sense. We haven't haven't had a signature win uh, in, in years and I think that that is kind of going to be going to be the concern, right? I mean, if it gets close down the stretch, is it going to be the team that's consistently been able to, to deliver and you know had a huge win at Kinnick, or is it going to be the, the the younger team who really is has not has not had a big win again since? I mean, what was Michigan? What was Jim Harbaugh's biggest win, guys? Is it Michigan State at Michigan State when they went four and eight? Is it beating Wisconsin last time? Yeah, I'd say it might be beating Wisconsin last time. Yeah. Uh, it's a top 10 game, wasn't it? Yeah. Nah, yeah. M- m- were they like a nine or something like, like that? Or I think like so. Right there. Yeah, exactly. Um, or the ass kicking of Penn State. I feel like that that yeah. game, like, yeah, I would love to see that happen again with Wisconsin <laughs> yeah. or, or Penn State. I think it could happen. I think it actually could happen. I'm not saying it's going to happen, uh, but I think it could happen. And that, that'd be a testament where everyone gets behind this team. So, yeah. you know, we haven't – I agree. We haven't – you know, the, the eye test, it hasn't, hasn't really shown, shown up, up yet. for it. No. Uh, yeah, so I'm excited. Yeah, so we're running out of time. So, unfortunately, you'll have to hear about our wild and crazy plans on the podcast next week. But I do want to quickly move into national picks. There are a couple really tasty games on the schedule. Um, the big one is probably Georgia at LSU. There's also Washington at Oregon. Um, some people thought maybe Michigan State, Penn State would have been top 25s. But dear listeners, I told you Michigan State wasn't very good. And Northwestern not only covered easily, but beat them by 10 points. So dear listeners, every once in a while, even a blind squirrel can find a nut. Nick, what games are you really excited about this weekend, and what lines and covers do you like? Yeah, well, I'll start with that uh, that Michigan State-Penn State game. Michigan State going on the road to Penn State in Happy Valley. Um, Two touchdowns. Yeah, 13 and a half, and I think I'm going to take it. Penn, take Penn State I or take Michigan I'm State? Penn State. Their offense um, is pretty good at home. Oh, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Take that. <laughs> you know? Dear listeners, take that and run. I think that that's a, almost a lot. Wow. I don't think Michigan State can 
up with Penn State offensively. I don't think Michigan um, State's very good. Yeah, I don't think Michigan State's very good. Doesn't yeah. mean that they're not going to show up for us because of course they do. Fully expect that they always do. Um, but yeah, I think Penn State wins that game easily. I think Notre Dame also going um, and playing at home against Pittsburgh. They're going to cover twenty-one, three touchdowns against Pittsburgh, um, probably in similar fashion to the way Penn State handled them. Um, and then wow. yeah, the two the two big games. Uh, I would say you. You know, Georgia versus LSU, I think Georgia does pass the eye test. I think they really do look like the second or third best team in the nation behind Alabama. Um, and I think they they don't win this game. Uh, but – or actually, sorry, they do. I'm reading uh, reading my book wrong here. They don't cover. They, they don't cover, okay. uh, but they do win. And I think it's going to be a late field goal. Wow. So those are my picks. And then one other one could be the 330 game at Oregon. Um, with you know, Oregon's offense looks really good. Yeah. And obviously, so does Washington. And I think that, like I, I don't I don't know who's going to win the game. I think that's a toss up. Um, I think it's three and a half right now to Washington. Yeah, it's three. But it I'm down to three. Yeah. three. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to take the over in that. I think there's going to be a Ooh. lot of points. Those are two um, pretty high power offenses. Yeah. So th- that's my slate. Um, so I'll be I'll be live throughout the day watching those as I walk around and have a couple keep, of dull beverages. Yeah, a couple a couple <laughs> a couple of dull beverages. Hopefully that those hit. Sean? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'll, I'll echo a lot of what Nick says when it comes to the lines in, in the games. Penn State, I mean, that is, it just moved to 14, I see. I, I still take Penn State. Michigan State is demoralized. Really hard to play in Happy Valley, as, as you know personally, Nick. Um, so I, I like that, that line right there. UGA, I, I honestly just don't think LSU is that good of a team. They have a quarterback for once who also would have been Ohio State's third string yeah. quarterback. So what does that say about what does that say about the quality of, of their team? And Cajun Brady Hoke, until he proves me wrong, I'm just a hater. Um, I'm just I'm just LSU a hater may right have there. worse quarterback play than Michigan's had over the last five years, though. LSU can't find a good quarterback. Probably. Pro- I, I, yeah, I I would yeah. definitely say that in fact. Um Let's see. What was the other game you? Oh, you know what's actually going to be kind of interesting is Colorado USC. Always steal my Pac-12 after dark games, man. I can never get. But here's the thing. Here's the thing, Josh. The the line seven. I think Colorado's going to win that game outright. Yep. Okay. Yep. I think Colorado's really good. Like that. Montez was the kid that actually came in when uh, Sefa Lufau got hurt. For those that know yep. that Colorado should have beaten Michigan when they came oh, yes. to Ann Arbor. Oh, yes. And if Lufau didn't get hurt, they would have won that game. I'll go on the record and say that. I really no, like I Colorado. Well. I think that USC at 3-2 and two their season is kind of over-ish. It is over. In a weird way, 3-2 and two is just not acceptable for USC football. I really like Colorado. I think that they are playing with a chip on their shoulder right now. And nobody gave them much of a chance to do anything to start the year. And I think they go into LA and beat USC. Yeah, and and so basically the the home environment well, is negated you, because it's there's going to be Dodge. There might be, if there's a Dodger baseball game that night, is anyone going to be at the Coliseum? Yeah, I mean, if, if anything, if if there if it's sixty five yeah, degrees it, and clear, yeah, exactly, no show up. So so what happened with because I, I didn't watch this, but what happened with the Nebraska Colorado game? I mean, I know it was at Nebraska. It was a home opener, so there's a lot of juice there. But, I mean, if if uh, Adrian Martinez does not get hurt, I I don't think that Colorado wins. I think wins you're it. right. No, the, the game that got canceled was Nebraska's first game that got completely 
rained out or, or lightning out. I think, Sean, you're totally right. Um, in kind of momentum's completely in college, college football. And by winnings, they won essentially two rivalry games to start the season against Colorado State and then at Nebraska. For those that don't know their geography, Nebraska and Colorado actually border each other, which is bizarre, but they do. That's why the Pac-12 and the Big Ten make no sense. But anyway... Um, they won that game, and I think they kind of jump-started their season. They beat Arizona State. They beat Michigan State. Um, they have a really tough stretch. They have at USC and at Washington. I think that they beat USC, but I think they probably get smoked at Washington next week. Yeah. Um, on the Washington-Oregon Washington, on the Washington yeah. Oregon game, I mean, these are two of the best quarterbacks yeah. in the country, so got to hammer the over there. I'm going to go out and wow. say Washington wins. If this is yep. a night game at Autzen, oh, that's I'm going to go Oregon. Yeah, it'll be it, um, it's a, it'll, it would, So it would be a 12-30 local kickoff to three Oregon. Oregon. Maybe a little sleepy. A little sleepy. A little sleepy start in Autzen. Yeah. Exactly. So that so that's why I would actually have Washington. I mean, night games are, are, are such a big swing, and I think that it's only intensified in college football. So those are kind of my, my picks – I would take the UGA money line any day of the week. I would take the uh, Penn State covering and Washington. Last Oregon. question. Over. Alabama minus 28 at home against Missouri. Take Missouri or take Bama and the points? I take Bama. Is, is Bama just going to be one of those dynasties that we're going to be talking about on Champions of the West in 2026 that, that Harbaugh finally got his quarterback but they couldn't beat the tag of Iloa Jr.? Is this what happened with? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. I mean, my only con- my only question is, Mississippi was pretty good last year. I don't know how they how they are. Sorry, Missouri is pretty good. Yeah, they were pretty good last year. I don't know how they are this year, but um, yeah, Alabama looks like they're far and away the best team in the country. Um, we're hoping. What what are they? Against well, I don't. Oh, what are they against the spread this year? That's too. I haven't done that research. No. Yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to. Go. Maybe next. John, year. do we have any exciting field hockey games to look forward to? You get your thirty second uh, soapbox to yeah. tell me how the field hockey team is doing. Absolutely, uh, Nick. If you want to lead it off, or I can take it, whatever <laughs> you want, because this isn't no, a one man band I'm here. A huge fan. I actually like tr- definitely uh, been been lagging a little bit. I've had some busy weekends. Uh, those early Friday okay. games give me a. I can't get the reception on yeah. the trains. That's got nice. it, got it. No worries. So we went out. We went out and had a huge win against Iowa at Iowa on Friday. Uh, I was a, a ranked opponent. Um, we actually had a, a game the next day, which is very irregular in, in the field hockey world, and unfortunately lost to Stanford, uh, top twenty-five team, but. Definitely hurts our RPI. The silver lining in that game, though, is is while we were playing Stanford and then eventually losing, um, Maryland, who is the number one team in the country, lost to Penn State. So Michigan now has full control of their destiny when it comes to winning the Big Ten championship, trying to make it two years in a row. So we're a one-loss Big Ten team. Maryland's one loss. All we have to do is play Ohio State and Michigan State in the next two weeks. Um, so you know things are plugging and chugging there. Uh, apart from field hockey. Um, some sad news, as you guys probably saw, Ace Ambender is is uh, resigning indefinitely. Um, pretty heartbreaking story with him with his with his fight. We'll we'll share um, the GoFundMe link. But, you know, the only positive is after his video, he's raised 
almost a hundred thousand dollars, if not a hundred thousand dollars in about 48 hours, um, in which he'll be doing advocacy work. Um, so really tough to hear that, but you know, the only silver lining is that he does have a a great Michigan community that can help support. Yeah. And you know, something like that, you just hope someone can get the health that they need and, uh, and and the money and the donations they need to, to get back on the right track. Um, on a, a slightly happier note, boys, the, the three of us are going to be in town in Ann Arbor this weekend. There's a potential for maybe a live Sunday pod, maybe at the field hockey game. Sean, what are we thinking? I'm I'm leaving back to Chicago at 7:20 a.m. So um, the Margo the Margolis's family are, are so nice to always host us for a, a tailgate across the street on a, on their golf course. So win or lose, we're back at the tailgate. The famous last words uh, of last year where we lost to Michigan state, but again, win or lose, we're back there. I'm going to boost hound it up until the, until the early morning and then I'll catch this train and uh, ride the high. So both of my siblings um, and my parents think they all go to Wisconsin. So I can't, I can't can't have that shit. Michigan's going to win the game. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to have a good podcast next week. Michigan's going to win. Michigan's gonna any any sizzling hot takes before we end. Player player to watch, um, you know, Michigan whatever it is, touchdown, anything. Uh, either team. Ah, no, Ooh, God, I'm you're done. It. I'm past. I'm past it. I, I, you're past it. Yes, Michigan. Okay, Jonathan Taylor under a hundred yards, and he only averages about three or three and a half yards per carry. That's, that's, okay. that's the biggest wow, fire that I have, Sean. I, I don't have anything else left in the tank. Okay. Josh Uche, two and a half or more tackles for loss. Ooh, ben Mason, ben two Mason. touchdowns. If, if like Ben that. Mason scores two touchdowns and Michigan wins, we will have officially out Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yeah, we break them. We, break oh, them. Yeah. Man, we become them, yes. and then we break them. <laughs> Super excited for the weekend. Uh, Lots of football, lots of drinking, lots of nonsense. Uh, If you want to win some money, for the most part, don't listen to us. We usually don't know what we're talking about, but sometimes we do. We'll have some updates. Sean will be pumping out the content on Twitter. For Sean, for Nick, for Josh, go blue. Big one this weekend. We'll see you next week. I mean, maybe she won't, and again, maybe she will. I can almost guarantee she know the deal. Real nigga, what's up? Now she want a photo. You already know, though. You only live once. That's the motto, nigga. YOLO, and we bout it every day, every day, every day. Like we sitting on the bench, nigga. We don't really play every day, every day. Fuck what anybody say. Can't see him because the money in the way. Real nigga, what's up? One.